Now podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 186 of the OrthoEvalPal podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about how to know how hard to stretch patients. We'll be talking about knowing your anatomy. We'll be also reviewing the importance of, you know, having guidance by a mentor or a CI. We'll be discussing some of the underlying conditions that we need to be cognizant of. We'll be discussing some timeframes, diagnoses, and so much more. But before we get started, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit EasySlant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Hello and welcome back. So today we're going to just be talking about the key points about stretching and how hard to stretch patients. Now, this episode could last all day because it can go in so many different directions, but my focus is going to be on optimizing timing and potential complications when stretching patients. Now, my daughter graduated yesterday from Huston University with her bachelor's, and she is going on uh, to get her doctorate in physical therapy, and she's going to be starting her first clinical in a couple weeks. And one of the questions that we get from students oftentimes when when they come to a clinic and they're ready to get started is how hard do we stretch patients and how do we know how hard to stretch them because everybody has different pain tolerances and some will respond better than others and you can injure somebody and there's always that fear of injuring a patient so what we're you know we know that stretching patients too hard can be detrimental but we also know that not stretching them enough can be equally detrimental. So sometimes we don't stretch them hard enough. Um, students and new grads always ask, you know, how do we know how to do this? And so we're going to help figure out, you know, a way for students and young therapists to learn how to stretch those patients a little bit better. Um, I always start by asking the question about patient diagnoses and anatomy associated with it. So if you're a student of mine and you come in, you ask me that question, how hard should we stretch a patient? I am going to first start asking about the anatomy and the diagnosis, and we're going to kind of dive into that. So what I do, and here's an example, is we'll talk about something like a quad rupture or a quad rupture repair, for example. Um, obviously, these would be really easy to re-tear if you stretched somebody too hard, but we talk about things like, you know, was the tear across the fibers or along the fibers? We also talk about, you know, if the patient was in prone versus supine. So if they're a supine and you are flexing their knee, the hip is flexing also, therefore, taking a little bit of proximal stretch off of the quads, whereas if they were in the prone position and you were stretching that knee, that quad is already in a stretched position just by being prone. So the patient is at a real mechanical disadvantage when the therapist is at a real high mechanical advantage. So that's a more susceptible and, and uh, painful and dangerous position to be in. 
We also like to talk a little bit about, you know, active assistance. If the patient is actively heel sliding when they have a quad repair, their quad is shutting down, that reflex inhibition, uh, reciprocal inhibition. And so I discuss this before that patient comes in. Um, and so that the student or the young therapist, a new therapist, has a better understanding biomechanically why we stretch a certain patient a certain way. Um, and we become a little more thoughtful about how we do that. And it doesn't have to be just with the knee or the quad. It could be with any joint. Um, but now let's take a little turn here and go to total knee arthroplasties. Now, that incision is made along the fibers and not across the fibers, so they're less likely to re-tear uh, when you're putting a stretch on that quad. You also need to remember that this patient is going to have intra-articular swelling and a lot of scarring because of the amount of, you know, soft tissue damage that happens, you know, while doing this surgery. And so these people are at high risk of developing arthrofibrosis afterwards. So they can develop significant loss of motion if we do not stretch them enough, okay? And if we don't stretch them enough, they'll end up with a loss of quality of life. They're going to have increased pain, loss of motion, loss of function. And so it's important that we gain that motion a little bit faster and we can push these people a little bit harder than somebody, let's say, who has a quadricep repair, okay? So the most effective way to get a feel for how hard to push the patient is to have an experienced therapist stretch that patient, okay, and go through that process of stretching because we have this feel for it. We've done so many of them that we have a feel. Then while I'm stretching the patient, I ask the, the patient to remember what that feels like at that end range where I feel like enough is enough and the patient feels like enough is enough, and I tell them to remember that. Then I take the patient off the stretch. I have the student or the new grad come in and do the same stretch with that patient. And then the patient will guide the student or the new grad in how far that they can push. And oftentimes it's, 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 amazing that I will stretch that patient and I'll feel like, ah, this is really not that big a stretch. The student comes in very apprehensively, thinks they're stretching the patient aggressively, but they're not even close to what I'm stretching the patient. So it gives that student uh, an idea how much that patient will tolerate. And oftentimes stretching patients, it's a, it's a feel thing. You learn it over time. It's very hard to learn in class. Um, you know, what are some of the underlying conditions that we need to be concerned with when we are stretching patients? Well, let's take, for example, if we're stretching somebody with a, an adhesive capsulitis, are they osteoporotic? Okay. Or do they have a fracture, like a proximal humeral fracture, um, where your hand placement is going to be very, very important? You're not going to stabilize the scapula and push that arm into flexion from the wrist, you're going to take your hand and you're going to put it over the fracture site so that there is less leverage over that fracture site. So you decrease that risk of refracturing. Um, I ask patients if they're on quinolone antibiotics. People who are on quinolone seem to have a um, higher risk of a tendon rupture and tendon injury. Also, if a patient has low pain tolerance... You need to play with that a little bit, okay? Um, because if that patient has really low pain tolerance and you stretch them too hard, they're not going to be back. 
And let's say this is a, a status post uh, ORIF of an elbow, which become which can become very very tight, or a proximal humeral fracture, or even a, a distal femur fracture, something like that. If the patient doesn't come back, they're probably going to end up with some lifelong disability because of that. So I'd rather be a little more gentle on those folks and progressive and have them come back so that we can slowly gain their motion rather than stretch them really aggressively and then they don't come back because they just can't tolerate that pain uh, or think it's going to continue to get worse. Um, it's also important to uh, remember other diagnoses under underlying conditions such as you know people who have had cervical or lumbar spine fusions. You need to remember that where that instrumentation is is going to be nice and solid, but the levels above and below may not be. And so you want to be cautious if you are stretching into extension or flexion that you don't cause issues above or below. Um, people with complex regional pain syndrome do not tolerate aggressive mobilization. Okay, It needs to be very, very gentle and very, very progressive. Um, you know, diabetics uh, who have, you know, a rotator cuff repair or do Poitrin's contractures. You need to remember that those folks are going to be a lot stiffer after surgery than those who don't have those underlying conditions. So you may need to get on those and stretch those a little more aggressively a little bit earlier. Um, and then this is when I pull up an operative report and I take a look at, you know, what structures were repaired. And I take, especially with these complex surgeries, I'll go in and take a look at the anatomy that was fixed and I'll think in my head, okay, well, what stretches would cause a problem and what contractions would cause a problem and how could that be detrimental to the patient? So um, you understand that you're trying to prevent complications before they happen, okay? I think that it's also super important, if you're going to take anything away today, is, you know, safety is first, but secondly, it's important that you give expectations to the patient, okay? If they are totally replacement patient and they're, you know they're going to be a little bit on the stiff side and you know you may need to stretch them a little more aggressively, you tell them that ahead of time. You can tell them that, you know, this may swell a little bit after we're done. You may develop a little bit of bruising afterwards. Um, or I, I might expect you to be quite sore for several hours after you get done. And so... If they have that expectation, then they're more apt to come back. They're more apt to tolerate it a little bit better. Some people have this fear that you're going to break their arm or, or break their leg or something like that. Uh, if you have somebody who's not osteoporotic and they have a frozen shoulder, um, it's important that you teach them that you're going to have pain throughout most of your therapy, but your pain will be at a different range. Okay, so maybe we start at 65 degrees of flexion and two weeks later, you're at 95 degrees of flexion and it still hurts, but you need to bring them back down to that 65 degree range and say, how much pain do you have right here? And they'll say, well, I don't have any pain and say, well, this is where we started. And remember how much pain you had there. And then we got to 75 degrees and there was pain there and then 85 degrees, 95 degrees. And then you teach them that. And when they see that and they understand that, they're more apt to be compliant they're more apt to do their home exercises and stretch themselves a little bit. And so that will make your patient much more compliant and much more apt to listen to you and be guided by you, which is so important. 
Um, you know, the other thing that we need to remember is that when we're stretching patients, they can be a little apprehensive. They can fight you, okay? And so it's important that you use whatever tools you may have in your toolbox to help to get them to relax. And that may be light joint mobilizations. I like to do rhythmic rocking. So if I'm going to be stretching, let's say, a frozen shoulder um, or even a knee, I might rock that leg side to side. I might gently rock that glenohumeral joint in that shoulder um, just to let it relax a little bit. Then I'll get into the stretch. And when I get off the stretch, I might do some joint mobilizations, a little distraction, uh, bring them some comfort and then get back into it. I might use things like heat, some interferential current, um, and even on a couple of occasions, we've used, uh, we've asked the provider to prescribe Valium or something that will help to relax the patient maybe a half hour before they come. And uh, I have been able to get great gains on patients who have been so apprehensive and fight me so much that I just can't get past the motion. And it's not always because of pain. It's just because they are, are they're fearful. And uh, when you know that it's safe to stretch them and you can gain much more motion, then a little something to help them relax can be helpful. But I make sure that the patient has somebody who brings them to the clinic and brings them back home. And I always get approval from the uh, provider first to make sure that it's okay with them. It's not something I've done very often, but I've had to on a, on a few occasions with really good success. I think that a very gentle approach and a soft touch and a gentle voice can also help when stretching patients. If you approach them and grab a hold of them aggressively and you're kind of rough about it and you're not guiding them you know, verbally, then they may be more apprehensive also. So take your time, uh, make sure you touch gently, use a proximal hand placement, and uh, you go at it nice and easy. And we have found that over time that a low load, long duration stretch is definitely more beneficial than a very uh, short stretch that is very aggressive, okay? Um, so just to review a little bit, I think that it's important that you review your anatomy before you start stretching patients. You think about preventing complications before you get started with that patient. Consider some of the predisposing factors. And I think the biggest one right here is, you know, cons follow an experienced physical therapist or occupational therapist, CI, a mentor, whoever it may be, and work with them. Stretch that patient with them so that you're on the same page in regards to the amount of pressure, how much to do it what directions to go in, what your hand placement should be. And uh, you will definitely get a jump start on how to stretch patients better if you can do all of these things that we talked about today. Folks, thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope that you get out there and you feel more comfortable stretching your patients um, right off and safely. And uh, be sure to check out all the things that I have to offer um, through our orthoevalpal.com website. And I hope you all have a great day and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there. 